As the result of federal actions taken following the arrival of COVID-19 in America, New Yorkers and people around the country enrolled in government health insurance programs such as Medicaid, Child Health Plus, or the Essential Plan did not have to renew their coverage for three years, and the number of New Yorkers on government coverage swelled, with Medicaid recipients growing from about 6.2 million to nearly 8 million. But the federal government's special dispensation ended this spring, and the ongoing return to normalcy, referred to as as the unwinding means the state has to recertify the New Yorkers eligible for the government-offered insurance, a complicated process that, even in the best of times, can result in coverage sometimes being dropped, at least temporarily. To discuss this process, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by the state's Medicaid director, Amir Basiri. Welcome back to the show, Director Basiri. Thanks for having me. And also with us is New York State of Health Executive Director, Danielle Hollihan. Welcome back to the show, Director Hollihan. Thank you, David. So for starters, can you talk about how the number of New Yorkers on government health insurance grew during the pandemic and what the state is doing leading up to the expiration date of that coverage, at least for the first cohort of people in the end of June, uh, to ensure that there wouldn't be a gap in their coverage? Nearly 9 million New Yorkers are enrolled across uh, public programs, Um, and so it's about half the state's population. So definitely a huge undertaking. And since we didn't know when the public health emergency would end, we we have been advertising and beginning our public education campaign uh, for quite some time to alert New Yorkers that this was coming steps they could take to prepare, which largely involved updating their contact information uh, so that we knew how to reach them when it was time. And so we have been actively engaging our partners across health plans, providers, community-based organizations to really get the word out. Um, And then once we did get the notification that the unwind period was beginning, uh, you know, everything kicked into high gear. Um, And so we you know, continue with all of these efforts, but our um, official renewal notices began running in the spring and consumers are actively engaging. Uh, You know, another step we took, of course, was staffing up our customer service center so that they were prepared uh, for the influx of calls. So there has been a lot of activity for quite some time um, and, you know, all with the goal of keeping New Yorkers enrolled in programs for which they're eligible. We know people's eligibility has changed, uh, you know, incomes fluctuate, but we want to make sure we determine people eligible and get them into the programs where they where they belong, but largely um, keep people covered. That's the goal of all of this. So I know that leading up to this period, state officials reached out to federal health officials to get waivers and some rule changes to smooth out this process. And it's my understanding that some of these requests were successful. So what sort of breathing room did you get from D.C. that you anticipate will be most helpful in keeping people on their plans? CMS, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, did undertake a very broad regulatory process to enable states to pursue flexibility in some of the federal eligibility rules under the guiding principle of ensuring that eligible individuals retain coverage to the greatest degree possible. So they allowed for states to try and secure E14 waivers and what those waivers effectively do 
is make the eligibility process a little bit easier and streamlined both for the member and the uh, entity doing the eligibility processing, whether that's the New York State of Health Marketplace or the local districts um, who handle some of our age, blind, and disabled populations on Medicaid. And those flexibilities effectively reduce churn. They reduce the risk of someone who is eligible from being disenrolled for uh, procedural reasons. And so we did get flexibility to allow for that process to ensure people had more time to, to stay covered. They had to provide less paperwork or less verification to stay covered. Um, we did also uh, get some flexibility on something called uh, ex parte renewals or administrative renewals, where we would be able to determine someone's eligibility without any interaction with that particular member. And so that has been very, very useful and beneficial to both reduce the state or local burden on and member burden, of course, to verify uh, someone's eligibility for any of the marketplace or Medicaid programs. Um, and we've done that successfully with things like instituting SNAP eligibility as a uh, ex parte approval process for both MAGI and, and non-MAGI or marketplace and local district. So all of these things, we got nine approved E14 waivers. I think we, of all states, New York had the second highest number of approved E14 waivers, meaning we're taking every available action we can to streamline the process and reduce the risk of someone being disenrolled who is eligible for one of our programs. There is one we're actually putting in place. Um, currently, it's a system modification. It was one of the more recent flexibilities that CMS allowed, and it allows us to auto-enroll um, individuals who have income up to 100% of FPL, uh, or the federal poverty limit. Um, normally, it's zero income can be automatically renewed. They're allowing that up to 100% which is going to be very impactful. We should have that in place uh, by the beginning of next year. Um, but we still have nine approved E14 waivers. They have been very beneficial in keeping people covered as evidenced by our recent public health emergency unwind dashboard for the first cohort. And so we intend to continue these flexibilities as long as we can. And if there are others that become available, we're going to pursue them. We are turning to the most recent uh, report on the public health emergency unwind dashboard. Uh, it says that about three quarters of the June cohort, the people whose coverage was set to expire at the end of June, uh, had renewed their coverage as of June 30th. What do you make of that number? Is that what you were striving for? Is that above what you were looking for? What does that rate of certification mean to you? 75% is a good number when you consider what you're seeing elsewhere in the country um, and, and specifically in other states, even blue states like New York. We are by far and away doing much better than other states with respect to the percentage that are renewing coverage. Are we happy with 75%? I think we would like to see that number 
uh, be higher, uh, it, not necessarily targeting a specific percentage, but I think it's generally in line with what we expected based on our work with the Urban Institute and their micro simulation modeling. Um, we did expect that about 100,000 people each month would be moving to employer-sponsored coverage, which is effectively what the first cohort or our results thus far for the first cohort suggests. Now we do have, David, um, in Medicaid at least, there is the ability to renew coverage up to 90 days after that coverage end date. Um, so there is still time for the 75% to, to go higher. But what we suspect is that individuals who are not coming back to us, um, or as we say, you know, failure to renew, are likely not renewing because they have found other coverage through their employer, or maybe they've left the state. Um, but we are not necessarily thinking that 25% of people no longer have coverage. That's not how that data should be interpreted, because that's not the fact. We don't require employers to notify us when uh, someone gains employer-sponsored coverage, so we can't definitively tell you exactly how many people have found employer-sponsored coverage, but it does line up very, very closely to what we had done with the Urban Institute and their modeling. When will that picture become clear, if ever, in terms of people who are moving to private commercial insurance versus people who are just going without coverage right now? I think we'll know that for certain when survey data come out, which does lag, unfortunately. Um, we're looking to see whether there are other ways that we can track people, but certainly we track people, and this is part of the report you saw, um, who move between programs within the state. So uh, New York State of Health has always transitioned people seamlessly between programs as eligibility changes, and so that's you know, that's certainly reflected here. But as far as the commercial uh, migration to commercial coverage and job-based coverage, that will depend upon data that we'll have after the fact. But I think we are trying to see what other ways we can try to get a picture of, of that movement earlier than the survey data. Yeah. Um, but I agree with, with everything Amir said about, um, you know, consistent with expectation uh, we know many people lost jobs during the pandemic and have regained employment. So this is not um, unexpected, um, but it is really important to focus um, the fact that anybody who didn't renew with a New York State public program is not uninsured. We believe that many, if not most, have received coverage through, through an employer. We are doing regular uh, meetings with our health plans, with our provider associations, including hospitals, and to the extent someone was without insurance and needed health care, um, we would certainly be hearing that from our provider groups. Um, so we would have an indication of that at a point in time. We don't have it yet, and I think that's for the reasons we've mentioned, but we are trying to identify any gaps in information. And after a quick break, we'll have more on the state's effort to recertify millions of New Yorkers utilizing government health coverage with our guests, New York State Medicaid Director Amir Basiri and New York State of Health Executive Director Danielle Hollihan.
Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. For listeners just joining us, we're continuing our conversation about the state's effort to recertify millions of New Yorkers on government-run health insurance, including Medicaid. And our guests are New York State Medicaid Director Amir Basiri and New York State of Health Executive Director Danielle Hollihan. Looking at the initial unwinding report from the state, I noticed that the renewal rate, at least initially for the June 30th cohort, seems to be higher for New Yorkers enrolled through counties, particularly downstate, uh, compared to people enrolled through the state program. Any sense of why there is a differentiation there? Well, first of all, the, the counties have done a great job and are really ramping up internal resources to process applications timely. And that is a big part of it, especially New York City Human Resources Administration has done a really great job thus far in staying timely with the volume of those renewals. We did put in place the SNAP ex parte enrollment process because that system modification couldn't be implemented until very recently, we did effectively agree with the federal government that we would not initiate procedural disenrollments for our local district members for the first few months. I think it was three months. So that is part of it too. But generally, they have been very prepared and uh, we hope that continues. But We did get some federal flexibilities to ensure that there were no procedural disenrollments until we got some of these system enhancements and flexibilities in place. So that is a part of the reason why they're doing such a great job as well in terms of as compared to New York State of Health marketplace members where we have automated processes to verify income and eligibility But the districts have really stepped up thus far, and that's a big part of why those numbers are what they are. As far as the differences in the populations enrolled through New York State of Health and the districts, the non-elderly population tends to be enrolled through New York State of Health, and I think we see more income fluctuation uh, in that population. So I think it's not unexpected that uh, we would see a little bit more of the transition happening on the marketplace as opposed to at the county level. If you think about where we're in 2020 and that 6.1 million you referred to now, you know, eclipsing 8 million, all of that enrollment growth primarily occurred through the marketplace. That is the population that would be most acutely affected by this redetermination process. Well, thinking about then the people who are being dropped, at least temporarily, Are there opportunities for them to recertify, say, when they do go to obtain healthcare services, or are there other contacts that they need to meet to get into the system? And what happens for these people who are at least temporarily being churned out uh, and if they need healthcare during this period? So for Medicaid, as as I mentioned, we have the 90-day post-coverage end date, at which time anybody could come back. 
and have their coverage reinstated um, all the way back to that effective date. So in this case, June June 30th, the coverage end date, they could come back anytime within that three month period. It's a streamlined process and the coverage is retroactively reinstated. The marketplace also, there's a streamlined process to come back, but Medicaid is unique in its retro coverage policy um, under federal law and regulation. So there is that opportunity for someone to come back in the 90 days. If it's beyond the 90 days, uh, we still have the three month retro coverage. So if someone were to uh, need healthcare at a later date, not even know that they were um, failed to renew, they would still have coverage retroactively for 90 days in the month in which they seeked that healthcare and were still Medicaid eligible. So it is somewhat of a rolling basis, but to the extent they needed healthcare and they were not covered, they would get that coverage in Medicaid um, at the time in which they seek the healthcare service. We are allowing across all um, programs and on and off the marketplace late renewal. Um, so even though there's deadlines for a timely renewal, people have the you know up until the month after um, their renewal or their coverage end date to to come back. Amir referred to the retro coverage that is possible in Medicaid, and then of course. You know, we have streamlined ways for people to reinstate their coverage, but we will remain open uh, for enrollment across all of our programs. And that includes not just Medicaid, the Essential Plan and Child Health Plus, but also the Qualified Health Plan program, which normally has a fixed open enrollment period. So people can come back uh, at any time during this unwind period and enroll uh, in any of the programs. And at this point, we're speaking in the middle of August, do you have any sense of how the next cohort recertification process went? Uh, do you have any initial data or in the early trends that tell you how the July 31st group went? So we're finalizing uh, this snapshot currently, so we don't have it you know, ready to share. I do think we are seeing very similar uh, results as the June cohort, which is a good sign in that the numbers are not materially changing in a bad way. Again, same caveats, you know, people can come back uh, at a later date. So we expect the numbers to only go up, but we are seeing a very similar distribution um, that we, as compared to what we shared for the June 30th dashboard report. The other thing that we will include every month as we go forward, we'll, we'll include the late renewal snapshot as well. So well, at the point in time, every time we issue these reports, things are moving all the time. And so we'll capture in the July report, we'll include those people who did come back uh, for late renewal. So there's an updated renewal rate for June, and then we'll continue to do that. So we're definitely seeing the numbers move and more people come back. Um, and the you know the folks failing to renew are, are, are responding just a little bit late. So it's all a bit of a moving target. But the numbers are moving in the same in the right direction, and as Amir said, the July numbers are looking relatively consistent to the June. Well, if someone is listening now and they're you know worried about missing their recertification window, what should they do to ensure they're prepared uh, for their time when it comes up? Is there a number they can text to ensure they get alerts? Is there a website they should go to? What should they do if they want to be proactive? So they can definitely call our customer service center. That number is 855-355-5777. 
that's customer service and we're open and available to help people. The text phone number is 866-988-0327. And so we'd encourage people to call or text um, and, you know, we are happy to help them however, however they prefer. I don't think we've said yet, but how important this channel is, is our enrollment assisters, navigators, certified application counselors, brokers. We have over 7,000 certified assisters that stand ready to help. So in addition to the customer service center that we've talked about, uh, wanted to make sure to mention the importance of those enrollment assisters as well. The enrollment assisters is something that is unique to New York. Not all states have the assister program and infrastructure that we have in New York and, you know, four or five people are getting coverage through one of these assister programs, which just illustrates how important it's been and having those on the ground, boots on the ground resources to help and connect people to all the uh, enrollment assistance that they need to stay covered. We have a lot of call center representatives that are standing by what ready, willing and able to help our call center metrics have been incredibly impressive. You know, our wait times are below 20 seconds. There's very low abandonment rates. So people are available to help if they call or text the numbers that Danielle shared. And there's also boots on the ground with the community-based organizations that can connect them to get them the information they need to stay covered. Back in May, uh, the state warned New Yorkers about potential scams with the renewal process. Are you hearing about efforts to take advantage of people who are looking to recertify? There has been some anecdotal uh, stories about that. I don't think we're hearing a large amount about it, but people should should be on alert and should come and contact us through the channels that we're describing or, you know, either our customer service center, our website. Um, or one of our our certified enrollment assisters. Um, It's unfortunate that that activity is happening. People will never be charged uh, to renew their coverage. And so anybody who's asking for money to do this, that is definitely not correct. Uh, So be be on alert uh, for that. As you go through this process, are you learning anything new about churn that maybe was different than prior to the arrival of the pandemic, are there new systemic problems you're identifying that contribute to churn, for example? The thing that is clearly unique here is that the amount of time that has passed, um, you know, the three-year period where people's coverage was extended and, you know, without the requirement to take any kind of action. So I think the biggest issue for us is getting people's attention that they need to act again. The other piece that isn't new, but you know, we're reminded of is the ability to do things administratively. Um, you know, to the degree we can administratively redetermine somebody's eligibility, leveraging the databases that we have access to, the data sources, the better off we are. And I think our our online report includes metrics for people who are either administratively or manually renewed, and it's no surprise that the renewal rates are are much higher on the admin side. So a lot of the easements that Amir has spoken about, um, you know, is anything we can do to increase the share of consumers who need to renew uh, to be done administratively, the more effective we'll be. David, I would say the one thing we've learned, you know, we had a year experiment with no churn. (laughs) So I think in looking ahead and 
in connection with what Danielle shared with administrative renewals, you know, we know the marketplace is very sophisticated in the way that we can leverage available data to administratively renew folks. And on the district side, it's a lot more complicated. Uh, we have different systems. There's different processes depending on type of enrollee. And I think we see a big opportunity to really transform that process under New York State of Health-like process to really streamline it for all Medicaid eligible enrollees, including those that enroll at the districts. And that's something we're pursuing um, in the long term and we think will be transformative and more equitable in how all enrollees are treated and the flexibilities they would have to maintain and renew their coverage. So we definitely have lesson learned there and are pursuing that systematically over the long term as we go through this process. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. We've been speaking with the state's Medicaid director, Amir Basiri. Amir, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, David. I've also been hearing from the New York State of Health Executive Director, Danielle Hollihan. Thank you as well, Danielle. Thank you, David. It's good to be with you. And again, if you're looking for information about your certification, you can call 1-855-355-5777. That number is 1-855-355-5777. Support for Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local state and federal government entities at wgpfoundation.org.